Willkommen. Welcome. Welcome. Willkommen. The European Union stands for the belief that through trade, cooperation and respect, we can all grow together. This is Europe. This is Europe. That's why they created Interreg, which this year celebrates its 30th anniversary. This is Europe. This is Europe, the Interreg podcast. Working with institutions, local partners and individuals for three decades, the Interreg community has been funding projects which help tackle the big issues of our time. It is very important to know a little bit of his language, to know a little bit about his culture. Creating stronger bonds between neighbours. What we are really looking for is this culture exchange. We want to know what is their traditions, what are they, uh, what, what they do in their, in their, in their spare time. Working with communities trying to adapt to changes in their environment. Biodiversity doesn't work on a, a local level, it's international. So join us on our journey across Europe to hear from people like you, whose lives have been transformed thanks to Interreg and their spirit of coming together, of knowledge sharing and collaborative thinking, to help create a peaceful and prosperous union. Welcome. Welcome. This is our Europe. This is your Europe. Welcome. This is Europe, the podcast from the Interreg community. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Shahid Abari. As I speak to you now, Europe finds itself in an uneasy state of suspension. Many of us are still emerging from the lockdown that has brought life to a standstill. European citizens are taking the tentative first steps back towards the light and beginning to pick things up where they left off. Yet so much remains uncertain and the true impact of the COVID-19 pandemic is still to be seen. So in this, our third episode of This is Europe, we're looking ahead to the interreg projects that are shaping the future of Europe, even at a time of turmoil. The stories you're about to hear concern the next generation of Europeans. The students, artists and entrepreneurs who are busy exploring what it means to grow up on this continent and who will decide in years to come on its fate. And where the future is concerned, what better place to begin than a school? We start our journey in the village of Hartau in Germany. The proximity to neighbours across the Czech and Polish borders provides the foundation for a very European education. In the colourful cafeteria of a primary school in rural Saxony, a class of bright young students line up for a breakfast of fruit, cereal and yoghurt. There you'll find Christian, one of the directors of this school, sitting at a small table, waving as the children pass. My name is Christian Zimmer. My job is economic director of this school. Schola is a school with more than 600 students on different places here in this area, near the Czech and the Polish border. While the students eat, Christian explains this area's unique history. After 1989, the borders have been opened and since about 10-15 years, Czech Republic and Poland are part of the European Union. So we can all cross the border every day as often as we want. And I think to live here 
it is very important to know the neighbor across the border, to know a little bit of his language, to know a little bit about his culture, to know a little bit about his landscape, his history, his side of history. That's also very different. I think it makes you more... Happy is not the right word. It's zufrieden. I don't know zufrieden in English. Um, comfort. One of the teachers responsible for instilling that comfort is Kamil. My name is Kamil. I'm the Czech teacher in Schola Hartau. And I'm also taking part on the Czech-German meeting, which happens every week. And that the children learn together with the Czech children. Here he is with his class warmly welcoming the stranger who's come into their classroom with a microphone. And they're doing it in two languages. Carmel has been at this school for a long time and he knows the history of these cross-border excursions very well. The project started right with the start of the school, which was 21 years ago. Originally, there was the idea of a Czech-German bilingual school, where the half of the students is Czech and the other half German. But it was not allowed by the Saxonian government. But in the end, we are happy about that, because now we feel the way we are doing it now is better. Because it's in a balance. The Czech children come and are the visitors, and afterwards we are the visitors. Otherwise it would be a school in Germany. The Czech children would every day go to Germany and would lose their Czech culture. The exchange between German and Czech schools in the area dates back decades. But teachers like Kamil are always looking to develop these relationships. This Czech-German cooperation is additional for both of the schools. So we always have to look for some extra financing. So we think, what can we do with the children and how can we get the money? That's where Interreg comes in. Okay, my name is Yvonne Schönlein. I'm the deputy head of the managing authority, which is located in the state ministry for regional development here in Dresden in Saxony. In her work at Interreg, Yvonne discovers the stories of partnerships across borders. She knows how Interreg funding can help a project like this one. Interreg can contribute by giving money and by supporting them to go further with new ideas, maybe with new courses or project activities, so that it's not only for a certain time, but maybe for longer. That's the idea behind it for me. <laughs> One of the programmes that Carmel and his students will take part in today is funded by Interreg. It's called Handicraft in the Border Triangle. The idea was to speak about the handicrafts because this is kind of poor region and handicrafts can help and develop. So the topic was set up and then every school has a specialty on one handicraft. For example, Hradek is doing robotics, Ebersbach specialized on traditional handicrafts like creating paper and working with wood. In Hatta we work with sheep. We are a little school in the countryside and sheep belong to this area and of course children like them. As Christian explains, school children at Skola and their partner school across the border take it in turns to visit one another. 
Every class has a partner class in the Czech Republic and once a week they went to the partner school or the partner school comes here. So once we are guest and once we are host. This time it's Carmel's students turn to be guests. Which means they have to embark on a little journey. They've had breakfast, fed the sheep, and now it's time for a short walk through the village and across the border into the Czech Republic, where an idling bus awaits. Here, a mirror image group of students on their way to their lesson in Germany wave hello to their counterparts. The Czech students hop off the bus and the German students hop on as they swap places. A few bumpy minutes later, the bus deposits Carmel and his students at the doors of a grand-looking building, painted yellow and pink, in the village of Hradek. A student buzzes for entry. The school doors open. And the class is greeted by Jan Polacek, the headmaster of this school. So my name is Jan Poláček and I'm the director of this school in Hradek nad Nisou. The school is located in the so-called border triangle between Czech Republic, Germany and Poland. The school has 375 pupils, kids, in the age of 7 till 15 years. Jan has worked here for a long time and works closely with schools across the border. He thinks that sending Czech students off to experience school in Germany and welcoming German classes like Carmel's are essential to the experience of growing up in this part of the world. If I get these questions, mostly people want to know if our kids speak better German. But this is not really what we are looking for, actually, in these cooperations. What we are really looking for is this culture exchange. We want to know about our neighbors. We want to know what is their traditions, what they do in their spare time, what they think about things that we also care. And this is this is the main purpose, actually, why we are participating on these projects and what we want that the kids take. But his memory goes back long enough to know that he should never take this kind of exchange for granted. What definitely changed is the background, because 30 years ago people were asking us how can you cooperate with German schools after the experiences from the Second World War. This isn't anymore a big issue. Also there was a contribution of the projects because we knew each other better. Now we have definitely different approaches, like the states have different approaches. For example, the refugee strategies, but this is just background for us. So, to the business of the day. Today is a special day because we start a new topic and the topic now is Europe. So we divided Europe in four regions, north, south, west and east. And every week the children learn something about a country in the certain part of Europe. The visiting students from Germany are split into four groups. They'll be sent to four different classes with their Czech friends. In one room, a lesson on the finer aspects of Italian culture. In another, a sojourn to the Netherlands. 
Just down the hall, an introduction to Cyrillic writings. Now the children were searching for three countries with the Cyrillic writings. Russia, White Russia and Ukraine. And upstairs, one final lesson in the Interreg-funded handicrafts programme, a class on robotics. This takes place in a very modern new classroom, funded by Interreg and purpose-built for high-tech lessons. Yeah, this big classroom is the proud of the school in Hrade, and it's brand new and fully equipped and specialized on robotics, which is partly financed by Interreg. And you can see this huge window and you can have the view of the church and the backs is the mountains. And uh, teachers here always say, if everything goes wrong, I'm going in here, stand in front of the window and everything is good again. <laughs> A floor to ceiling window overlooks the traditional village church. But strewn across the floor are the German students and their Czech friends, busy programming robotic bugs on wheels and driving them across multicolored mats. You don't need to speak either language to gather that they're having fun. But this whole endeavor is about more than just fun, as Yvonne from Interreg knows well. Young people leave or abandon this region because they want to build up their own future in different places where the jobs are. That's the problem, and that's also a reason for saying that this project is really a fantastic one, because they do a lot together. There's interaction between science, technology, manual skills, language training, and they feel that there are different cultures, different languages, but also they have a lot in common. And that's why through such project activities, they can be more open-minded for the future. It's a sentiment shared by one of this school's very first teachers. So my name is Václav Mazánek and I originally come from Jablonec nad Nisou, but I used to live in Bremen in Germany. Then I came back actually here to this border triangle. He has seen things come full circle in this corner of Europe after decades living in the area. It changed a lot. It definitely changed a lot. Just the basic fact that the border checkpoints actually disappeared is a big change because a few years ago when I was passing the border, I had to go through three checkpoints from the German, the Polish and the Czech one. Now it's much more easier. Basically what is happening here is that the regions are going back to the roots because it used to be like this before the Second World War and now these regional differences actually are vanishing again because there was a situation before the Second World War when it was absolutely normal that people were changing and now it's coming back actually to this uh, original background. I once saw a very nice thing in Tsitao where two elder men met each other. They used to remember these times and the Czech guy was speaking German to the German and the German was answering him Czech. 
After the action-packed robotics class is over, it's time to head back home to Germany for lunch. Where Carmel reflects on what he wants the children who take part in this program to gain from it. Well, I'm uh, I'm Czech, and I am also interested in the border, and would like to get it closer to the children. And of course, they are living here; it's the living area, and they cannot avoid one part of the region. So it's important that they get to use to the language and also to get used to crossing the border so that it becomes normal for them. They will definitely be open-minded about different nations and they will be tolerant and they will be European, maybe even global citizens which don't really register the borders and they will have options, they will have possibilities to decide do I study in Germany or in Czech Republic or even somewhere else. For Christian too, this whole endeavour is about providing students with a foundation for the future. I think this is something that happens. They realize themselves as European citizens, not only as German citizens, but citizens of an area with a lot of cultures and a lot of languages. And yes, they begin with German, Czech, Polish, but they don't have to end with this. Today, a class of six-year-olds have crossed back and forth from one nation to another. They've learned lessons about the rural traditions of keeping livestock, heard about the cultures of other European nations, and programmed robots. All in two different languages. And while they may think that all this is very normal, well, there may come a day where they look back on this education and see how incredible it was. I think the most students that leave us and try to study something, for example, they reflect on school with the new people they know at the university or at the office. And they reflect it and often I hear something good about this reflection. Across the vast and diverse landscape of Europe, education comes in many shapes and forms. Exploring identity, something that is essential to growing up, isn't always about looking outward to far-off places. Sometimes it's a case of seeing what's there nearer to home than you might think. It's this principle that underpins the work being done in an ambitious project on the border of Lithuania and Belarus. My name is Lesia Meshkienek-Laponitia. I live in a little town in the biggest district of Lithuania called Perena. I was born here and spent all my life here. And I am an art critic, art historian, and also art teacher. The school that Dalia teaches in is part of a rich tradition of creative institutions in an area that once belonged to the Soviet Union. I always was thinking that these schools are one of the most beautiful things that remain for us from the Soviet times. These schools are different from normal schools, from gymnasium, colleges, etc., because they educate children only in art. I always tell that we don't have a big land. We are not rich. We don't have 
anything at all. We have only people. And if the education is good, if the surrounding is good, we can be the best. But Dalia began to feel that the art school she taught in, and that others like it across the border in Belarus, were no longer reaching all the children that they might be able to help. It's interesting thing that these schools were not for elite children. These schools were for all children, for all gifted children. That was the point. But times are changing. And now, in our days, there are a lot of people who have risk families, children with special educational needs, children with disabilities. And we thought that these marginal parts of our life, we don't have to let them be so apart from us. And uh, the main goal of this project was that we have to take these children and to show their parents that they can use art and our schools like one of the most beautiful sink in their life without cost. Just let their child go to our school. And uh, of course, we had to prepare for that. She wanted to bring more children into her creative classrooms. And to do that, she would need to equip more art teachers in the area with a whole new skill set, which is where Interreg can help. My name is Valeria Mahnorilova. I work as a senior communication manager of the Latvia Lithuania Belarus Cross Border Cooperation Program, and I'm dealing mainly with communication of the program. For Valeria and her colleagues at Interreg, an idea like Dalia's was of immediate interest. So the main goal of the project is to increase the social inclusion of youth from social risk families into informal educational activities involving arts. These children and youngsters have different special educational needs which need to be addressed in order to avoid problems such as skipping school, bad results at school, bullying and many, many others. So the project strives to correspond to these needs of the special target group and to help it to go back to active social life and learning processes. With that goal in mind, Dalia has developed a new training program for the teachers. Beginning was not easy. First of all, our teachers had a lot of fears because they were always prepared for the good children, for the best of the best, and to take a child who have uh, a lot of problems, a lot of health problems, a lot of social needs problems was the biggest fear for our teachers. Sometimes it's not easy to tell the grown-up artist who has a lot of experience to say, wait a minute, maybe you don't know everything and you have to go to learn something new or put something new in your program, in your work style. So that was a really, really big issue for us. At the core of the new program are the principles of art therapy. So I remember my own teacher who was the first professor who brought art therapy to Lithuania. And I wanted that our teachers could get these trainings from the very roots. So we organized these teachers' art therapy training. And I really hope and I think that our teachers liked their trainings. And just now they started to use in their work. So with the new training underhand and a new group of students to work with, what results have the teachers been seeing? I can tell you one story. I have one girl in my class. She has a lot of fears. She's afraid of everything. She's afraid of people, of crowd of people. And she's not talking. She's just drawing. And after these lessons, when I asked a social worker, psychologist, what have changed in these two months, 
she told me that I even can recognize this girl because even entrance to the classroom for her is the biggest issue. And with art, she has a lot of big wins just to get in a class, just to take a pencil, just to draw something, just to smile. So when you see these things that changes a child's social activity, that's the biggest joy for a teacher. <laughs> the way Dalia sees it, in this area, art has always provided an opportunity to bring the wider world in, even when travel wasn't possible. You know, artists are always artists, and they are always fighters. And they are always a little bit more free than another people. So schools of art in Soviet times, they were like a little, little islands of free land in Lithuania. Of course, it's different now. It's very, very different now. But this spirit of freedom, first of all, I got in my art school. When my teacher, for my birthday, maybe for 13th birthday of me, she gave me like a gift, very old book about Urbino about Italian Renaissance city. It was all written in Italian. I remember this feeling very, very well. I was holding this book and I thought, wow, do I ever go to this Urbino to look at these Renaissance masterpieces? And it happened 10 years ago. <laughs> so dreams could be true. <laughs> she wants to continue that tradition of intrepid exploration and show vulnerable children what their future could look like. Our teachers and I, we try to travel a lot and that we can bring our emotions, our joy and our experience, what we saw to our children. To take these little children from the countryside and to put them this, our experience is very important. And especially from these social risk families. And, you know, when after, for example, five or ten years, you just pass in the street and see your child that you raised, that you had in your school, and he tells me, for example, oh, teacher, hello, you know, I was in Glasgow, I saw that church that you told me that was a gothic style, it's incredible. <laughs> so that is the biggest joy for a teacher, and so we try to build our school like part of the world, not part of Lithuania, but part of our great, nice world. It is this objective that truly captures the imagination of Interreg. They know how work like this can help to shape the future of Europe. Uh, the main hope is a brighter and equal future for everyone, for all of us, because by cherishing children and young Europeans, we care for the future for all of us. But the scope of this project is not limited to the EU. The history that Dalia details belongs as much to Belarus as it does to Lithuania. And even though one nation sits inside the European Union and the other does not, the reality of living here is more interconnected. Lithuanian people and Belarusian people who are living on the border, they are pretty the same like us. We have pretty the same character. We have even the same faces <laughs> with the blue eyes and the same color of hair. A lot of them are relatives, have sisters, have brothers. Um, we are related with our roots very near. So it makes sense for the two states to partner in this ambitious project, as Valeria explains. It's good to go outside of the borders in this case because it's a great opportunity to share the experience and improve the life in the region, which itself in this case extends beyond the EU border. The problem addressed by the project doesn't have borders. So by stepping by, 
we can deal with it on a completely new level. For Dalia, it all comes back to that simple goal, to provide the next generation of Europeans with a glimpse of what their future might hold. First of all, with this project, I would like to show to these children that art is not like fairy tale somewhere far, far away. We would like to show for these children that they are living here in this place, in this society, and they can take from the society everything that society gives for them. That this very poor houses that they are living in, maybe sometimes these drinking parents of them or social risk families, it's not the end of the world. The world could exist in another way, in the art way. And I hope that for some of these children, our school and this project, it could be like a new house that could provide them to the better life to the better experience and uh, of course one day it could be their professional life or something that they could live for. From the creative infrastructure of the former Soviet Union to the remotest corners of the northern periphery where in spite of the distance that separates them a vibrant network of young entrepreneurs are finding companionship in each other's stories. My name is Jakob Skorskor Thursen. I am 29 years old from the Faroe Islands. My name is Jens Christian. I live in the capital of Greenland, Nuuk, and I'm 27 years old. So my full name is Olli Kähkönen, and I'm living in Kajani, Finland. I was 22 when I started this business. Each one of these young men lives in a different pocket of the northern periphery, where the landscapes are stark, wild and beautiful. It's it's really hard to paint a picture, but just think about green mountains and a lot of fresh air. It's beautiful, landscape is big, a lot of fish and wild animals. We have the nature here, that's the best thing in the area. There is too much of wood, (laughs) uh, a lot of forests and uh, it's a very nice area. And the opportunities for employment can tend towards the traditional. If you know about Faroe Islands, you know about how our fishing industry is like our main export. But maybe you also know that the Faroe Islands is also filled with sheep. There's these two main things. And often our families divided by if they are a fishing family or they are a sheep family. So what happens when young people like Jakob decide they want to stray from tradition and try something new? It was a bit hard because before I started in film, I became an electrician and my family were, okay, he's he's a kind of traditional practical worker. And it was fine, but I felt I was a bit more creative than that. Especially my grandfather was really questioning what that meant. Yeah, he, he, was, he was a fisherman. He was really questioning, could you become economic stable through making films? Isn't it just people running around and doing nothing every day? <laughs> I really understand it because often you just hear about these struggling artists and, and stuff like that. My name is Michaela Gaifami and I am the communication manager at the Northern Periphery and Arctic program. Michaela here works for Interreg and she understands the unique challenges facing young people in remote areas. 
regions in the northern periphery in Arctic, they are challenged by the out-migration of youth, of young people. Obviously, people are attracted to moving to towns or central urban areas where there's universities, where there's a nightlife, and cultural entertainment and everything like this. And rural communities suffer a lot from this. Generations get disconnected, community lose their history, their common memory. So it's a real risk that towns become ghostly places and this is bad under any possible aspect. Each of these young men are driven to create something in and for the communities that they live in. It's a small town, but you can find everything you need in this city. People are very nice and uh, businesses are doing a lot of teamwork here. We have a beautiful country and it can really be used for bringing films to the Faroe Islands. I love Greenland because Greenland has so much opportunities because we are so small community. We have a lot of opportunities to make our life easier. For Jens Christian, this entrepreneurial impulse has always been there. Right at the beginning, I will always like to start a business in my young age and think, what business should I start? His idea was to start a grocery delivery service to reach people during the harsh Greenlandic winter. My business is called Bayou. It's a business I came up with my friend Nikolai. And it's all about to shop groceries in the hard times. The weather sometimes it gets hard and it's difficult to go outside and do the normal life. For Oli, it started when he was at university. So when I moved to Kajani, I started to study hospitality management here. It was my first year when I heard about this young entrepreneurship project in Kajani. The idea was that we should start to innovate businesses and try to find out how we could make money same time that we study. We got a lot of ideas, but somehow there came this escape room idea. There wasn't escape rooms in Kajani. There was one escape room in Helsinki. So the whole escape room idea was still very new in Finland. As for Jakob, he was already heading down a different path. I finished my education as an electrician in January 2011. And right after, I moved to Denmark to take a one-year basic course in film and TV production. After that one year, I chose to go back to the Faroe Islands to work in film and started my own company. All three heard about an interreg program called Rye Connect and decided to sign up. Started working for this entrepreneur house. And through that, I was contacted by the Rye Project. I was really surprised. They said that the project was for talented up-and-coming filmmakers. I was 21 years old. I was really um, honored to get that title. And I said, yeah, of course, I wanted to be a part of this. This sounds amazing. As Michaela from Interreg explains, the idea behind Rye Connect is to build a network of ambitious young people like Jakob, Oli and Jens Christian. The idea was to take the young people in the northern periphery of Europe who live in rural areas and help them see how they could make their dream come true, become entrepreneurs and run the business in their community in the rural and remote areas of the northern periphery in Europe. 
Through workshops and training, RideConnect has guided them through the uncharted waters of building a business. You're saying business. I've never been good and I'm never going to be good at the business side of the entrepreneur and, and stuff like that. <laughs> at first, they were like giving us tools like, okay, you have a business idea. Now you have to pitch it. And we practiced that pitching for a couple of weeks and... They were like, okay, now you are ready to sell the idea and now you have to build the whole concept. What are you going to sell? Who is your target market? And so on. I really didn't know so many people in the film industry in the Faroe Islands. I just had my own little bubble. I didn't really get out there. And I felt that I went to the Rye Project and I met these wonderful people that also was in this weird industry that I just started becoming a part of. It's a process that culminated in a conference in Levi in Finland at the beginning of 2018, where entrepreneurs from all over the northern Peripheran Arctic were brought together to meet one another and exchange ideas. If I can say something about the northern Peripheran Arctic area, is that it is an extremely extensive area. There is an ocean between Northern Ireland and Greenland. There is a huge distance between Finland and Norway. But this really doesn't matter because the people were brought together, the young entrepreneurs from Northern Ireland, the Faroes, Finland, they all met together physically at one big event and they started working together. We were in the North Finland and uh, there was a lot of snow, a lot of reindeers, very cold weather, and their sauna is, was amazing. <laughs> we were sitting in sauna with one tutor, he was from Ireland, and we were taking the sauna and uh, taking a sip of beer in the sauna, and we were asking his tips how we could survive in the business, and he gave us a lot of tools that we could use. I remember that very well, that <laughs> moment in sauna, that it was a really nice, nice moment. I think it's really important to show people what's possible. Show inspiration, show other people are doing it as well, so why can't you? Everybody can show me a YouTube video of something, but if I meet those people face to face who has made this, I really get inspired by them, that like, oh wait, they are flesh and blood. <laughs> it's mostly the feeling you get about sitting down with someone and talk. It was a very interesting trip because we eat together and we live together in a big house. When we are eating in the table, we talk about our cultures, we talk about our city, families, friends. Yeah, yeah, that was really good, nice moment, like I'd meet other people from other countries. It was like we were all facing the same problems in business. It doesn't say that, okay, I'm living in Finland and you are living in Greenland, but still we have the same problems. It's a different country, but we are struggling the same. For Michaela and her colleagues at Interreg, the meeting in Levy represented a unique opportunity to give the young entrepreneurs a sense of community. You know, this is something that lasts and stays for people in the future. It's something very unique that you can build when you come together and then you go back home and you still have to struggle with how difficult it is to start or run your business, but you carry back with you the experience with the other young entrepreneurs and their contacts and you know that you're not alone doing this. Once the conference was over, the entrepreneurs went back to their homes and their businesses feeling energised. 
the people of Greenland was very proud and I was in the TV, the news, the local newspapers came to me and asked me questions. There were many people that was asking about the Reikonate and how was it. In the years since, their paths have diverged. Oli's escape room business has flourished. We started our business five years ago and we started with one escape room. In five years, we have built 15 escape rooms in the whole area. So the business has been growing a lot. Jens Christian has moved on to a newer, bigger version of the grocery delivery service that he worked on with Rye Connect. The owner of the great IT company contacted me and said that he wants to work together with a project like this project I started, but take it to the higher level. And for the time being, Jakob is pursuing his film career in Denmark. But he's keeping a keen eye on the budding scene in the Faroe Islands and plotting his return. I moved to Denmark to finish my studies as a film and TV production technician. But since I moved to Denmark, I've really seen that the film scene in the Faroe Islands has really grown. I really want to be there to help build the industry up. It would be really cool. And I really feel that one thing that's missing in the Faroe Islands is people with specialities. And I feel that when I come back to the Faroe that I have something I can give to the industry. And though they haven't seen each other since, Jakob, Oli and Jens Christian all look back on their time at the Rye Connect conference with a great deal of fondness. I was really inspired by all the people involved in the project. We really got along. And I think that they really inspired me to see what was really going on outside of my little world. They agree that the experience articulated something important. What it really helped me to realize is that I wanted to do more, to really seek out and do bigger stuff, bigger things. First, be strong and believe in your idea. If you have something, follow that idea. Second, uh, surround yourself with the good people and uh, do something what matters to you. For Michaela, the success of a project like Rye Connect depends on one key factor. Something that is really important for the success of a project is obviously the project partners. And Rye Connect project partners have proved to be passionate, motivated and very invested. When speaking with them, we could really understand how absolutely convinced they are of their idea and how this is going to make a change for the young people. I want to quote Kale, the lead partner of Connect. He comes from Kayanis and what he says is that he'd like the young people to shape the place where they live. And I think this is really good for the future of Europe. This is really empowering the next generations. When those criteria are met, the possibilities for both the entrepreneurs at the heart of the story and the communities they belong to are limitless. I was working in post-production on a very short film called Mist. That was after half a year working in film and stuff like that. And we won the Audience Award, the Farish Film Festival. I really remember I have a picture of me and my grandfather. My grandfather has passed away. Uh, I have a picture of me and him. I'm in a suit and he's wearing, uh, I had, had this hat. He's wearing the hat and he's really happy for me. That was really when I really saw that my family has accepted that. You can do it. We can see that there is actually something here.
that's all from us for now. I hope you've enjoyed travelling with us all over Europe, from bike lanes in northern Germany to fishing boats off the coast of Spain. Over the last three parts of This Is Europe, we've introduced you to the Europeans reckoning with what it means to belong to this huge, diverse and constantly shifting continent, and the thinkers who are engaging with its future. And next time, we're celebrating the European Week of Regions and Cities with a very special episode. We're bringing together a panel of experts and asking them some of the questions raised over the course of this series. What will Europe look like after the COVID-19 pandemic and beyond? How can the spirit of collaboration that defines it continue to flourish, even in times of political uncertainty? And what might we learn from the complicated history that brought us together in the first place? That's coming up next time on This is Europe. This is Europe, the Interreg podcast. It was presented by me, Shahid Abari, and produced by Frank Lockyer-Palmer. This was a Tempo and Talker production for the Interact team. <laughs>